The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes Podcasting Network. Just type in the three little words, Chris Sheeran Show. It'll pop up. Uh, just uh, tap get. It's uh, free, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, they say the best things in life are free. Yeah, and and here we go. Your it goes to your smart device and makes you extremely intelligent. It's Lou. It's Chris. It's you. You're always with us. Um, nothing going on this weekend. Is that so our version of Kayla Greca and you coming back on 98.7? No, I, guess not right I, I don't listen. Uh, <laughs> too busy with my kids. Sorry, I'm not in front of a TV or, or in front, you know, by a radio. Uh, but anyway. I digress. I am struggling right now. Did the Nets last night. Um, couldn't get to sleep for some reason. Usually I have to use something to help me get to sleep, and I didn't do that last night. Uh, I just figured being tired would help, but um, Angry Birds till 2 in the morning. Um, yeah, until I – Angry Birds Star Wars. Oh, I was going to say, is it, was, it a, was it an offshoot? Was it like Angry Birds in Rio? Or No, no, no. It was the Star mm-hmm. Wars version, and uh, before I knew it, it was 2 o'clock, and then my alarm was going off at 7. Uh, yeah, not good. And uh, even the five-hour energy didn't make a dent today. So I'm striggity, striggity, struggling, but we're going to get through it because that's what we do. I-, I could talk, so it's not like I have to lift anything heavy. No. Unless you get hurt. <laughs> That would make for an interesting <laughs> podcast. But anyway. It's the Ludi Petro Physical Harm Hour. <laughs> um, the Super Bowl, of course, is on Sunday. And, uh, you know, usually there's a couple of great storylines that happen at Media Day, which is now Media Night. It was Monday, and I missed it because I thought, like, every other year it was Tuesday. I guess I didn't get the memo or read anything about that. Yeah, so it's that three-hour time difference coming back to bite you. So fooey on me. And, um, yeah, that too. I mean, I'm out by 10. And I'm not DVRing something like that and then watching it the next day. It's just not happening. I got better things to do with my life than to hear somebody ask a question about how the Mannings eat dinner. I saw that the next day. Um, Chicken farm, yeah. it tastes so good. Ugh, God. But anyway. Do they uh, make that face if something's sour? Does Eli make that face? Probably. He bites into a lemon. And he moves his neck back and forth. Yeah. Weird. Uh, like Alan Thick on Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Jason Siva. Uh, we got a Super Bowl to talk about. We got our predictions. We'll save those for the end of this conversation. Uh, there's nothing, but the, the big story is that there's no story. I mean, usually there's something to come out of the Super Bowl, but there's not even any smack talk. I mean, the, the worst you saw was Josh Norman wearing that wrestler mask and talking a little bit of smack. But yeah. there isn't, you know, nothing happens anymore. It's been a very vanilla two weeks. I mean, outside of the whole Cam Newton. His pants? I, no, outside, I was going to say outside of the whole Cam Newton, you know, misconstruing what he said. Yes. Yeah. It's been a very vanilla 10 days since, you know, the the post-game uh, celebration analysis and look forward to the Super Bowl last Monday after both of the championship games. It's been a very, yeah, very vanilla 10 days, uh, which kind of, you know, honestly kind of fits, to be honest, it kind of fits the narrative. Peyton Manning, will he or won't he retire, is really going to be the, the post-game narrative. And we'll get into that a little bit when we get into our prop bet mania. I, but I read that he already told close family and friends this is his last game. He, there's apparently the video when he was talking to Bill Belichick after the AFC Championship game when mm-hmm. they met on the field. That the audio apparently says, this might be my last rodeo. And if so, it's been a real pleasure. And Belichick said, you're a heck of a competitor or something like that. And that was what their exchange was. That's really the, the, the post-game, you know storyline right now and it kind of fits that Carolina was 15 and 1 but you didn't really notice they didn't blow out teams they weren't the 85 bears they they weren't the the San Francisco 49ers that one year that went on to to lose to the Giants in the uh NFC Championship game or any 49ers team in that era really well the 84 Niners won 15 and 1 and they won it and yep. the 85 Bears won 15 and 1 yep. and they won it but those are the only two teams that have been have won 15 games during the season and have gone on to win the Super Bowl right so that hasn't happened in 
almost 30 years. Over 30 years, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they didn't really fit the narrative of dominant team in any one. Their defense was great. Their offense was good because of Cam Newton. They're, they're just – they kind of went to 15-1. and one, I don't want to say unnoticed, but they're very under the radar 15-1 and one team for much of the season. And on the other side, you have the Broncos, who their midseason storyline was Peyton was so bad, but the team won in spite of them. And then won almost in spite of Brock Osweiler when he was in there and then held on to become number one and blah, 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 blah. And you know the story. I mean, there's no – if New England was in it, there would be deflate gate re- redux and all the cheating scandals brought back up and everything for the Patriots haters. It's just – I mean, it's Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl for, what, the fifth time? I mean, yeah, great. Who I cares? Know. Do you know what just crossed my mind when you said Brock Osweiler? Brock Lesnar? No. If he and Oksana Bayul – were to date, they'd be Broxana. They would. Like She'd Brangelina. Oksana Osweiler. Double O. Double O. How about that? And where, how did I get... I don't know. Does she still own, like, from? that skating center up upstate I, somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, let, let's have some fun for crying out loud. Let's, yeah. let's do some mm-hmm. of these prop bets. Yeah, because we're going to have a lot, less, a lot more disturbing now, stuff. Now, are we going to do this and then, like, go back to uh, Barstool and see how we did, or...? Yeah, why not? Let's give me a pen All and, right. and and let's let's you and I pick these. All right, you know we have plenty of bad news with the Greg Bird segment later in the show, which we're yes. saving for the end. To make and you then, to well, us. it's not going to be the end because we still have to bring up with John. We we must be next yeah, that's true. Throughout on segment the Twitter. two, how about he, segment two? Yeah, he knows how to grind my gears. Hi, welcome back to segment two. I'm Meredith. You Lock know what grinds my gears? All right, all right. So first of all, the entertainment odds and ends I think are are fun. The first, the first page of, of them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as we, we've we already speculated, question number one is, will Peyton Manning announce his retirement? I'm going to say yes. Uh, yeah, I think too. the guy knows he's done. And I think everybody else knows he's done. There's a couple of people out there who think I'm crazy for saying that, but I've only heard a couple of people say I was crazy. So uh, I'm, I'm ten- I have a tendency to say no for one reason. I don't think Denver's going to win. So I don't think Peyton would upstage the Panthers' Super Bowl win by announcing his retirement. I think he'd wait a little bit. But I'm going to go with yes. Uh, next one. Will he be seen crying at any point during the broadcast? Salty tears, um, they don't taste good. I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Peyton crying. Maybe in the post-game press conference, but not during the broadcast. Mm-hmm. All right. Does that include the broadcast? It says live pictures only must clearly see a tear. That's the only note I got from the list I stole from Bovada. So. I'm going to say no. Uh, how many times will dab or dabbing be said by the announcers, which well, you have to remember it's is Jim Nance. It's Jim Nance. So, so that's, I'm going to hammer the over. Really? Yeah. Because Phil Sims will say it three times in one sentence. That's true. I'll, I'll take the over too. You just talked yeah. into it. How many times will Cam Newton do the open shirt Superman motion during the game? It's his signature move. He's kind of like a WWE wrestler. I'm going to go over two and a half. I'm going to take the under because I think he's only going to whip it out if he uh, if he does something huge Excuse like score a touchdown. Excuse me while I whip this out. <gasps> um, Are you Garrett Morris doing the news for the hearing impaired from SNL? Uh, no, that was Blazing Saddles. Well, uh, if Steph Curry is shown on TV during the broadcast, what will he be wearing? Nothing. Oh, that's not a that's not a choice. I'm sorry. How come his own jersey is not one? I know. Of the I, I, be I great. thought the same thing when I went through these yesterday. Uh, I'm going to go with no jersey. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same. He's yeah. fashionable. He's not wearing yeah. a jersey to the Super Bowl. Uh, and then the, la- the, last, the last one that's really of, of crazy interest to the entertainment odds and ends. Will Mike Carey be wrong about a challenge? Yes. Okay, done. I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm just going to buck the system and say no. So that's a, that's a good six there. The rest of the entertainment prop bets are will there be an earthquake? Yeah. Will the Panthers player who scores their first TD give the football to a boy or a girl? That's a, that's a cool prop bet. Yeah. Um, How many times will John Fox be said during the broadcast? And, and the over-under is one, which is weird. Like, they almost want you to take the over. Uh, I mean, grant, now granted, yes, John Fox was the, the coach in Denver until last year and went to, went to Chicago to replace Lovey Smith a couple years ago. Or a couple years ago, I should say. I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, he might be mentioned once. And Carolina, like, he's got the connection. So you know what's going to happen once. It From kickoff to. to final whistle, halftime does not count. I mean, that's a, how many times will Archie Manning be shown? Will John Elway be shown? I mean, mm-hmm. these are gimmies. Uh, will the announcers mention that Kubiak was Elway's backup? Of course, they always do. That's in the notes. They're going to say that. Yeah. 
What color will the liquid be that is poured on the winning coach? I picked blue. I'm taking clear. Blue. I figure blue, blue Gatorade to Panthers. They don't make black Gatorade, so it's going to be blue and black as their colors, right? Or silver. So I'm going to go with blue Gatorade. Well, I guess we know who you're picking to win. <laughs> what flavor? If they did make a, a, a color, a Gatorade that was black in color, what flavor would that have to be? Black licorice? Oh, Terrible, right? Because I hate, I hate black. Like black cherry, maybe? I mean, if there's one Could candy, they make black cherry Gatorade? It's bl- well, that could help. Yeah, that, that, right. that would work. I like it. But black like licorice. Root beer flavored Gatorade. They did make iced tea Gatorade for a while. Terrible. Remember that? Oh, terrible. Yeah. Who, will, uh, who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first? God, team, city, fans, coach, family does not mention any of the, the above. I'm going to say the team and then the fans and then God. <laughs> Well, it depends on who you think the MVP is going to be. Cam Newton. Yeah, I don't know how much of a how much of a you know God guy Cam Newton is, but uh, you know what? I'm going to go with does not mention anyone above. Which song will Coldplay play first during the halftime show? Uh, I take the uh, instruments don't work uh, choice. Hopefully that the electricity is out. Which one will they lip sync at halftime? I, I think given now here's the list of you know Coldplay I songs. know you- yeah exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Here's the list of Coldplay songs that are on there. Adventure of a Lifetime. Never I don't even know it. that. Fix You, Never which is a ballad, because that really goes over well. A Sky Full of Stars. Never heard of it. Still pretty slow. Viva La Vida. Never heard of it. Clocks. Never heard of it. Speed of Sound. Never heard of it. Head Full of Dreams. Never heard of it. Paradise. Never heard of it. Gee, are you not a Coldplay fan, Chris? Never listened no. to a second of a so Coldplay song. So I, I, I'm not a Coldplay fan, but I know most of these songs. And I'm going to guess that one or t- the one or two I don't know are off their most recent album, which is always a good pick. But Viva La Vida is like that and Clocks are like their songs. I would so. rather have Chris Farley's corpse hit me with a tack hammer until I went deaf. Uh, because you are – no, I'm not going to finish that. Uh, all right. And then what color will Beyonce's footwear – who gives a – Yes, I know what you were going to say. It had to do with the rodent and his rear end. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Can you keep up, baby boy? Like, I am telling you right now. As God is my witness, I will not be watching any of the halftime. Also, show. the fact any that of it. the fact that Coldplay we'll... and Beyonce can we get a freaking rock and roll band back at halftime at the Super Bowl, please? For the love of God, I don't want to see Beyonce and I don't want to see Coldplay, a whiny, awful, terrible band. You I'm know... sorry. Here's they the, are. Here's the problem with that, though. I agree with you 100% in theory. But in reality, the Super Bowl halftime show is for the people that are watching the Super Bowl that aren't football fans. That's I why don't it's, care. Right, but that's why it's – I mean, now, granted, I watched Katy Perry last year, and we discussed so why. So somebody's going to stick with the Super Bowl because Coldplay is singing at halftime? Because, because your wife probably enjoys Coldplay. She does And my wife probably enjoys no, Coldplay. Don't and many you ever disrespect my wife like that ever again. If she heard you say that, she would punch you in the face. Would she you? would never listen to Cole. Please don't tell me she prefers Nickelback. No, okay, neither one. But that in, whole like genre during that time was no. terrible. And, and right, I agree with you. But again, the majority of wives and girlfriends, I hate to be, sound sexist about it, but the Super Bowl well, halftime show is for the people that aren't there for the Super one Bowl. One of the many reasons why I married my wife was that she hated Nickelback and Coldplay. Yeah. I think my wife does, too. I don't know. Moving on. We'll... I should call her right now and put her on the podcast. Uh, Ken. Um, also, it's just funny. Will left Shark make an appearance? Like, really? That's, that's, I mean, if you bet on that, you just really have money burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah, pretty much. And then, you know, the Nielsen viewership and things like that are on there. How many wings will Buffalo Wild Wings sell on Super Bowl Day? I got to be honest. If you're going to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, you're single. Uh, you're not there for the wings. Or you're, you, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with your life, but uh, family and friends at a house. So anyway, BYOB. Yeah, you have a private bathroom. You have all the alcohol and 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 chips you could eat. It's I'm not awesome. going out no. for anything. I'll be watching it at my buddy Tom's house. We'll be enjoying some some brews and and dips and at a guy. Uh, all of the normal team, you know, who's going to win the coin toss, heads mm-hmm. or tails, this mm-hmm. or that, highest scoring quarter, all the all, all the shenanigans you would expect that you could put for any football. Will there be a penalty for excessive celebration is funny. I got to go with yes on that one. But 
Um, will there be a missed extra point? Like, you know, all of the all of the standards. One thing I do find funny about that before we move on, though, mm-hmm. the margin of victory props. Panthers by less than a touchdown is three to one. Panthers by seven to twelve is four to one. Panthers by thirteen to eighteen is eleven to two. All the way up to the blowout of forty three or more is fifty to one. The Broncos to win by more than thirty points is seventy five or a hundred to one. Yeah, it's not so. Happening. I mean, Vegas I'll is take, pretty much putting odds on, the, A, the Panthers winning because they have lower odds overall. I'll take the Broncos by four points. And a blowout. That's what I want. I think a, the, That would be a four to one. That would pay you out on a four to one. Yeah, so my $10 bet will get me $40. I also enjoy, you know, in the MVP prop bet that Luke Keekley is a, is a better bet to win MVP than half of the Denver offense. <laughs> Like, Demarius Thomas is lower than Luke Keekley. That's, well, that's hilarious. You know, it's a predetermined outcome that he's going to have a pick six in this game because well, he's had, like, two straight. Or, that's also one yeah. of the prop bets because he had a pick six in both of their, yes. their games. First touchdown score, blah, blah, blah. So now the other ones I'll, uh, you know, total rushing yards for Ted Ginn over under five and a half. Like, if he has one sweep, you know, it's whatever. Will Luke Keekley record a pick six? Is six to one, yes. One to 12, no. Well, if that happens, the Broncos lose. Yeah. Peyton so, Manning has to be damn near perfect to win this game. So the, the other Broncos. ones. So a lot we, of things have to go right. We've got a handful of ones, that, and we'll, we'll come up with a whoever has the better percentage does something. I don't know. Wear a jersey or something bet for that. The cross sports props are really the interesting ones. Yeah. I, 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 know, I, I know you really look these. at those. Here, number one, what will be higher? Trump's percentage points in the New Hampshire primary or total points scored by the winning Super Bowl team. Interesting. Now, here's the interesting thought about that. He got, what, 29% in Iowa? No, Cruz got 29 in Iowa. I think uh, Trump and Rubio had 24. All right, so 25 Or 24 and 23. Trump was 24, Rubio was 23. 25-ish. Carolina scored, what, 40 40 points a game, (sighs) give or take, in the last few weeks? Yeah. I mean, total but I don't scored. Think, I don't think Carolina's going off. Total points scored game. by the winning team is the plus bet on that one. Uh-huh. So the, you know, if if you bet on Trump and that's correct, you win a dollar for every team you wager. I think this is a lower scoring game than a lot of people think it's. Going I don't to know. It's an interesting one, especially because who knows how well Trump's going to do in New Hampshire. Well, especially after Iowa, right? Uh, there's six cross sport props for the election: three for Carolina, three for Denver, for Trump, Clinton, or Sanders. Winning the presidential election. So you can bet on Carolina wins, Trump wins, Carolina wins, Clinton wins, Carolina wins, Sanders wins, or the opposite for the Broncos. Here's the interesting one on that. The overwhelming favorite? What if Cruz wins? Yeah, there's no action. The overwhelming favorite is Carolina and Trump. That's an interesting – that's interesting – what does Vegas know that we don't know? I don't know. Thirteen to four is the odds on that, which is basically a little better than three to one. Carolina Clinton is seven to four. That's actually the actual favor. That's a little little better than like little less than two to one. Five to one for Sanders, Carolina, and then it's seven to one, nine to two, ten to one for Denver. So again, Vegas is picking Carolina to win. And Trump or Clinton to be the president. I don't know. If what I, do they know that we uh, don't? Well, I don't know. And I'll just add my two cents. I don't know if I'm just a cynic or, or I'm just, just fed up with politics in general. But every single one of these candidates make me want to not go and vote. Every single yeah. one of them. I, I'm, I'm being completely serious. I'm not behind anybody. I, that's not true. Um, if Ben Carson was a little bit more, I don't know. Normal? Yeah. I, I would yeah. be I would be all about Ben, but you know it, it's just I, I can't get behind anybody because what he says and what he wants to do, he, you know, is pretty much my feeling about what's going on. But I, he doesn't present it in a way that is presidential. He, he just doesn't come across. He's a brilliant dude. Yeah, there's just something he's, to be said for the way he delivers things. He's a brilliant dude. He just doesn't deliver. It's it, I, We talked about it last week. It was snipped from the podcast for time reasons. But, I mean, it's just it's going to be interesting TV for the next nine months. But, it will be. But regardless of that, there's two other, like, weird cross-sport props. Uh, w- what are the odds? Will the Panthers win the Super Bowl and the Warriors repeat as NBA champions? Okay. Interesting. 
then will Denver win the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning retires, and San Antonio wins the NBA championship, and Tim Duncan retires? I don't think Duncan's ready to retire yet. That's a lot of ands yeah. to be putting money that's a, down. That's a four-way parlay. Yeah. It's a 20-to-1 bet if it all happens, but I don't, I don't see that happening. Then there's, there's, four, there's four random ones. Uh, which will be higher? DeMarcus Cousins points and rebounds on February 7th, and I don't know who the Kings play, or Cam Newton rushing yards. That doesn't matter who the Kings play. What's DeMarcus going to do? Even if he goes off for 30 and, and 20, Cam Newton's going to have more than 50 rushing yards, right? You would think. I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's got to be a— Unless the Broncos could bottle him up. Total goals in the Montreal-Carolina NHL game that oh, day. Oh, good God. Or total receptions by Greg Olson. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the one I was laughing about. Tiger Woods' first-round score at the Masters or Emmanuel Sanders' receiving yards total? Now, come on. Tiger hasn't played in forever. He's got to be good for like an 85. You would but, think. But if he withdraws after shooting like a 30, does Emmanuel Sanders win automatically? I don't. Uh, yeah, there's no I mean, stipulation. If, if, Tiger, if Tiger withdraws after 11 holes, he records a zero. Right. So if Emmanuel Sanders makes a catch for a yard, yeah, he wins. Then the other one is Arsenal's total goals on February 7th are Peyton Manning TD passes, which I don't know. It's soccer, so yeah, you might want to go with the not soccer one on that one. All right, let's. It's an interesting list. It is an interesting list, uh, but we're. We're inching closer and closer to the magic half hour. We should talk about a prop bet that the Yankees don't want, and that's will Greg Bird play this season, and the answer is no. Yes. Uh, right when we were ending the podcast on Monday, literally walked downstairs and ran into the producer of yep. the BP show, Josh Isaac, and he said, Bird's out for the season. What? What happened? Shoulder surgery. Torn labrum. Done. So, my Yankee... Compadre, what does this mean for the Bombers? Well, it's also ramped up speculation from everyone from us, you know, doing our job as content producers to every baseball outlet in the world saying, will the Yankees sign player X, player Y, Justin Morneau, Pedro Alvarez, insert player here, Juan Uribe has been flo- floated about by a lot of people. That, that's ramification number one. But the real ramification of it is, is now – here's I'm going to call it insurance. It's insurance fraud. Um, Greg bird would not have had a significant role on the Yankees last year. If Mark Teixeira didn't foul a ball off his leg, he would have, he, he came up in that stretch when he first came up in Cleveland or against Minnesota and Cleveland, that, that stretch to basically give A-Rod a day or two off, to give Tex a day or two off. They were in the middle, I think, of, I think it was their 17 or 19 game stretch. It was their longest of the season. And it was August. And you had two older guys, even though they were producing, you wanted to give them time off. And that was his job. He was probably going to play a handful of games, you know, five out of 20. Maybe stick on the roster until September 1st. Maybe not. Who knows? And then who knows what he would have done in September. Tex fouls the ball off his leg. Bada bing, bada boom. Greg Bird's your first baseman. Great, that let the Yankees know they had a viable option. His role this year would have basically been the same thing. If Tex gets hurt, he's the guy. Where was he starting? Triple A. Exactly. If Tex gets hurt, he's the guy. If A-Rod gets hurt, maybe he'll come up to get some at-bats. You know, Tex and, and Beltran maybe will DH a little bit more. You know, if, if Beltran gets hurt, I don't think he would have been up. But those are the three guys he was kind of backing up. Beltran would have got, I guess, half or a good chunk of the DH at bats if something had happened. A-Rod. Let me ask you this question, and it might be an asinine question, but I want to pick your brain as we're talking about mm-hmm. Greg Bird. Starting in AAA after having the success he had last year, would that have been a detriment to his development moving forward in your eyes? No, because he would have played every day. He would have played every day, but it, he's not facing major league pitchers. No, that's, that's true. It, it's, it's different. There are a lot of ex-major league pitchers in AAA, but... The, They're ex for a reason. Right. The, the, the point of comparison I'll make is Gary Sanchez. Brian Cashman said during the offseason that there's a good, you know, a good possibility Gary Sanchez will get every opportunity to become the backup catcher. Now, obviously, you, you can't talk about this as a baseball executive. We can point it out as a possible underlying reason for things, but Gary Sanchez got 34 three or 34 days of service time last year because he got called up 
or actually he got less because he got called up later uh, once he was recovered from his injury. So he's got 20-some days of MLB service time. We've talked on this podcast about how MLB service time and free agency works. We talked about right. it with Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. Leaving him in the minors for two weeks gave them an extra year of team right. control. Um, it happens with prospects all the time. It's, it's the easiest workaround in the book. It's the, the most legal way to do something illegal. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so ideally, I think it's 35 days Sanchez needs to be in the minors because you accrue 172 days as a full year. There's 183 days in a season. So that's why Bryant was down for 12 days. So it's 12 plus whatever service time he's got. It must be 23. So it's 35 days that if he stays in the minors for 35 days and then comes up and never leaves, the Yankees will still have six full years of control after this one. There's a lot to be said for doing that. Um, the Yankees have a ton of days off in April. And so Sanch- you know, if McCann could theoretically play closer to every day, um, some days the backup will be catching once a week, once or twice. There's two games a week. Ideally, it breaks down to eight, maybe ten games tops in that span. Gustavo Molina was the Yankees' backup catcher for a little while just because they had to have one. Mm-hmm. And Russell Martin played almost every day a few years ago. Right. I don't think you're really stunting his development if you leave him in AAA for a month. You know, all right, we're going to let him work on his defense, get up to speed. Whatever the, whatever the given reason is other than it's service time delay. But the problem with that is Gary Sanchez isn't going to play every day when he comes up. Unless, like I said, unless Tex gets hurt, in which case now maybe McCann becomes your first baseman and you let Sanchez play every day. Not ideal, but whatever. It's the same thing with Greg Bird. Yes, Gary Sanchez wouldn't be facing Major League Pitching in AAA if they do this, if he doesn't make the team. Uh, Yes, Greg Bird would have been in the same boat. It's probably better for them to play every day than sit on the bench. Greg Greg Bird was in the majors for seven weeks last year. Roughly seven, eight weeks plus the wild card game. And he was very successful. Gary Sanchez was there for a couple weeks. You know, he got the experience. He might benefit a little bit more from it than Bird would have, but playing every day and keeping their skills sharp versus playing once every three days and just being there in April, you lean towards the side of Triple A. So, all of that said, the mm-hmm. point being, Bird would have been starting in Triple A. With the Yankees' desire to possibly use the 25th roster spot as a revolving door, would he have come up at times? Sure. They're facing four or five, you know, four or five right-handers in a row. You get his bat in the lineup. But I think in a way they dodge a bullet because now they don't have to worry about it. Right. Now, you know, Teixeira comes off the books after this year, and Bird comes off the injury. You hope he's 100%, and uh, he's your first baseman. It, it makes things complicated at the end of the season. Like, does Tex play well and then get a qualifying offer, and then does he take it? Does it that preclude the same situation next year? There's a, there's a lot that plays into it. But on the surface, though, again and... on the surface, though, the hardest part about this is that it de- delays a year of Greg Bird's development slash arrival right as he was at the point where r- that break point, for lack of a better way to put it. Yes, he wasn't going to play a major role this year, ideally, but he was there. Now he's not, and that's a problem because there's – Two, well, I shouldn't say there's. There are two spots where the Yankees are not deep, and it's the two infield corners. Right. There are eight guys the Yankees have signed this year, roughly, that can play utility infield positions. You know, they've signed Pete Cosma, Donovan Solano, Jonathan Diaz. Ref Snyder can play second. They want Castro to swing around. But outside of outside of you know the utility guys, they don't really have too much depth. They traded Eric Jagailo away from third base, so their most advanced third base prospect in the system is a guy who's never played above high A. That's Miguel Andujar. At first base now, they had Bird. There wasn't really much below it. I guess it's maybe Dante Bichette, I, I, and he stunk for four years out of, out of the five years of his career. He stunk. Let's be flat out. He's not been what, what hoped or expected. The Yankees did sign Davidson Romero to a minor league deal uh, yesterday. He's got a little bit of experience at first base in Japan and, and in the minors. I, he's also a third baseman, so maybe he's like the the break glass in case of emergency guy if something really happens. But now it's going to force the Yankees to go out and seek a trade unless they're really confident. All right, if something happens to Teixeira, we can move Headley to first. We can put Castro at third, and we can bring up – and Ref Snyder and Ackley can play. Or Ackley can play first once in a while and move – I, I don't know. 
it's for a guy who didn't have a, a clearly defined role. Greg Bird was the, was basically the fire extinguisher for a lot of possible fires. It's now gone, and that's the biggest impact of it. That was that was a well thought out, tremendous answer. The opposite of Billy Madison. I give you no points, and may God have mercy. I, as soon as I started saying that, it was the uh, judge from um, my cousin Vinny overruled. Overruled. Yeah, but no, I, I completely agree. With so you. that's, I mean, I mean, that's the big impact is that for a guy who didn't, it, it would basically be like giving up your car insurance, knowing that you're going to have to commute back and forth to work for a month. On that, ninety five. Yeah, that's basically now. You know, you may not have had a car accident ever or recently, but. You have the same chance of it every day, of it happening every day, and you're you're now taking the risk. You're you're squeezing the sphincter on your way to work and on your way home without insurance, and yeah. that's pretty much what the Yankees are going to be doing all season long. Because Pedro Alvarez isn't going to take a minor league deal. The guy wants to play. Yeah. He's not going to the minors. Um, and the other thing about it is the Yankees. Triple A is pretty crowded with all these. They, right. They've got a, a ton of guys on the 40-man roster. Um, they just reacquired Ronald Torres for the second time in two weeks. But between him and Ref Snyder being on the 40-man roster and the four guys I mentioned that they've signed to minor league contracts, that's already six guys. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. That's already six guys that even if one of them is on the major league roster at all times as a 25th man, that's still five guys for four spots. And they already have four or five, possibly six outfielders for four spots between the three outfield spots and DH. Scranton's got a pretty crowded roster, so there might not even be room for anybody. Cashman did also say that Tyler Austin probably won't be an option at first base, which is kind of weird because he's not really an option in the outfield at AAA for sure. Maybe AA, but he might be above AA at this point, so why not give him a shot there? Especially in Scranton. I mean, I don't want to say winning doesn't matter, but... If they lose every game, but he plays a capable first base, and then Tex goes down and he comes up and he hits 270 and plays good first base, that's a little more important. So, I don't know. going to be interesting. Heading into spring training, that's going to be a storyline. Is, is, you know, the Mark Teixeira watch. Yeah, we're not too far off from that happening either. Yeah, I mean, granted, scary. It, granted, it was a fluke injury last year that he, you know, that cost him the rest of the season after that, that foul ball. But how many seasons has Mark Teixeira stayed Full-term healthy. Twice? First couple. In seven years? I mean, the wrist injury cost him all of 2013. 2014 was kind of a down year, and he had some nagging injuries here and there. He had the calf in 2012 that, that forced him to miss most of September. So it, 9 and 10. Yeah, he's not he's not a 150-game player over there anymore. It's, it's going to be interesting. We, we've been saying for a long time that this year is that – it's that transfer year. Yeah. You know, all these contracts coming off the books and you could reorder your ducks that are not really solidly in a row right now. And they might not be when the season starts because to might get hurt again and he might get hurt in spring training. Who knows? And Look, what yeah. the hell are the Yankees going to do? Well, they always plug the hole. They find a way. There's they always find. A there's way. more depth than there was the year that the Yankees once trotted out a starting lineup. And this is true. Fun aside before we move on to our final topic of the day, um, we were just laughing at some great like prospect names and things because we're doing the prospects top 100 prospect series from 2011. And uh, Matt Stucco, our video producer, whipped out Engel Beltre of Rangers fame a couple uh-huh. years ago. I was actually at his first major league start. It was uh, two years ago or three years ago now, I guess. Uh, in the Bronx, it was like a late July or late June or late July day game against the Rangers. The Yankees starting infield that day was Lyle Overbay, David Adams, Eduardo Nunez, and Jason Nix. Sorry. I was sending somebody the uh, podcast number so they can call in and mm. give us their thoughts on cold play. But before uh, we go, and maybe she'll call in because she's not really the uh, outward personality that her husband is. I, I really don't think she's going to call in, but the phone might ring because she's waiting in line to uh, pick up one of our kids. She's writing me back now, so she's probably going to say no. <laughs> and she just said seriously, and I'm telling her yes. <laughs> so Jeez. as we uh, as we continue to sit here and kill time, uh, 
John, our buddy, we must be Nets, on uh, Twitter, sent me something this morning, and it, it happened to be right when I was starting my first set at the gym of legs, and it ha- it actually helped me uh, power through. Uh, what is usually a uh, rough day. Today is leg day, huh? Yeah, today's leg day. Today for me is uh, light cardio and abs. Nice. That's that's day three of the five-day cycle at the gym. But leg day, I don't don't go through it like Steve Weatherford. Uh, That guy's an animal, and uh, he needs needs to tone it down a little bit with the uh, working out because, I mean, really, Steve, Steve, put a shirt on for the love (laughs) of God. You know, all of us that don't look like that, you know, it's, it's a little, it's, it's tough, but John sent me this picture. It's a book for parents called everybody wins. It's 150 non-competitive games for kids. So that's on the front of the book. And on the back of the book, it says, let's play together. Exclamation point. Do we have to set a play date for that? Oh my good God. Sorry. Competitive games can be fun, but they can also cause arguments, squabblings, and even fights. Aren't squabblings fights, by the way? It's a nicer way to say it. It's like custodial engineer Uh, versus janitor. Everybody wins! Exclamation point. Provides parents with hundreds of fun, stimulating, and creative games and activities that their children will love without winners or losers. Children will enjoy hours of fun and learn to treat each other with respect and fairness from creative dress up to language games to physical activities. Everybody wins has it all. God, I wish George Carlin was still alive. I really do. How do you play, because how do you he, play physical activities without a winner? Like what, what, what? They do it now without this book. There's soccer teams all over the country that yeah, don't Yeah, I know. They don't keep score. score. Yeah, I know. So what happens when a kid scores a goal? It doesn't count. When he goes home, how many goals did he score? None, but we had fun. What was the score? Oh, we don't keep score. Well, had, there's no winners. He had 53 successful kicks in there's, his first there's year There's no losers. Soccer. Well, did any of your kicks hit, hit the net? Yeah. Well, then you scored a goal. No, we don't say score a goal. We just kicked it in the direction of the goal. It's just fun. The, the, it's fun, the net Dad. Is, the net is a safe space for the ball. Oh, God. That's <laughs> tremendous. I, we, we talk about this. Ad nauseum. All, all the time. No. And it just keeps, like, it's. It, it gets worse. Lou, it gets worse. Like you said on Twitter, what was your tweet that cracked me up at the gym? Oh, I said, everybody poops. Yes. That's the name of a book, Yes, right? it is. Everybody hurts, according to REM. Everybody doesn't always win. Like, just, it's. <sighs> I'm going to say this one more time. For the stupid people, like the author of this book. Um... Well, the author of this book is not the stupid person. So don't demean the person who wrote this book because I'm sure they're going to make a lot of money off of it because the stupid people are the ones who buy it. So the one who who writes it, the one who writes it hasn't bought into it. You're saying she hasn't bought into it? Whether or not, whether or not it's, is it a female that wrote it? Yes. Okay. I don't want to use the incorrect pronoun. Um, Whether or not she has bought into it is irrelevant. She's making money off of it. And really then she's winning because of all the losers in America. Right. She's a winner. And she's not telling anybody she's about it. She's a winner because she's on making all the money. Right. Right. Here, here's the thing, okay? I'll give you a solid example, a couple of solid examples. I played basketball. Oh, stand by. The we podcast have, line is ringing. We have a phone call coming in. Jacqueline? Hi. How are you? Wonderful. <laughs> so, I'm a little afraid. I never know your motives. No, 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 no. <sighs> don't, don't be afraid. You'll find out once this is on the air. Lou, Lou and I were going through – now, I know you're not the biggest sports fan, but there's something called Super Bowl prop bets. And it's like who's going to win the coin toss and you bet on heads and you bet on tails. You bet on the Broncos or you bet on the Panthers. Who's, you bet on basically everything. And we were going through the entire thing and we got to halftime. And Lou and I got into this conversation of the halftime festivities – and cold, mm-hmm. cold play is playing at halftime. And Lou made the point that a lot of people that watch the game don't really necessarily like football, but they watch it for the halftime. Like wives and girlfriends will stick around for cold play. And I said one of the reasons why I married you is because – I'm just going to ask you flat out. Would you listen to cold play at halftime of the Super Bowl? 
until you had just said something, I had no idea who was actually playing in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> okay. All right. The, the Panthers and the Broncos. But go ahead. Yeah. I had no idea. So thanks for that. Um, B, I will be watching the Puppy Bowl before the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Puppy Bowl. And enjoying that immensely. This is my life. I, the Puppy um, Bowl. Yeah, the Puppy the Bowl is good. The only thing, and I'm going to catch a lot of slack for this myself, the only thing worse than Coldplay playing at the halftime is being joined by Beyonce. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Nickelback. That would have been a perfect piece of (laughs) synergy. Yes. You know, I would almost prefer. I am (laughs) not a fan. I'm not a fan. I I don't see it. I'm sorry. Um, So, yes, I will be taking the opportunity to clean closets if it needs be. On Sunday, um, organized drawers, possibly go grocery shopping because <laughs> no one's going to be there because they'll all be home watching Coldplay and Beyonce. <laughs> wow. And the, um, and the Steelers and the. No, the Panthers. Ravens, the, who? the Panthers and the Broncos, <laughs> sweetheart. <laughs> all right. That's all I needed you for. I just wanted to prove a point to everybody out there because Lou said your wife probably likes Coldplay and Nickelback and I screamed at him and don't I said don't you dare disrespect I, I said my, wife. my I, I was using generalities I said my wife too and I know my wife does not like Coldplay or Nickelback <laughs> so okay I, I just using generalities. actually where did they where did they arrive at this I I Coldplay I, I have I thought that was like 90s to early 2000s a terrible music too it was a it was a terrible time for music much like now because every, like now. everything now it's is It's one step up on Alive too. at 5. The bands that are still playing there are relevant in the 80s and early 90s. Well, yeah. So you got that going. I'd rather it. see Boys to Men at halftime. ABC, BBD. Yeah. Uh, and, I thought Miss, yeah. and I thought Missy Elliott did a tremendous... I think she saved Katy Perry. She did. She was fantastic. Well, all right. Hot takes there from <laughs> Mrs. Sheeran. <laughs> all right, honey. Uh, I will see you later. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And there she goes. Hot my takes wife. from Mrs. Sheen right there. <laughs> I told you. And that was not coached. You heard that. Yeah. From the time she called in to the time she said what she said. You heard everything I said to her. And you heard what she said. Coldplay? No. Nickelback? Absolutely not. It, my wife and your wife notwithstanding, I still stand by the generality. And it doesn't have to necessarily be wives and girlfriends. It could be just friends who don't care about football but may like music. That's why the Super Bowl halftime entertainers are what they are, is to appeal to people that may not fit the, you know, the Super Bowl watcher, the football watcher demographic. That may be be construed as whatever kind of ist you would like to put on it, but, you know, from an internal marketing standpoint, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not part of the reason. But anyway... You were uh, you were about to say. Let me give you an example about winning and losing before. Uh, let me give you a couple examples. That. Thank you for bringing me back to my point, and thank you to my wife once again for calling. In. I appreciate that she didn't have to do it, and I'm shocked that she did it. But I am she did. so plugging that in the blurb for this episode too. <laughs> like you know, all the topics plus an appearance by Mrs. Shear. <laughs> Uh, my mother used to call into my radio show in college all the time, especially that one time she found my uh, ex-girlfriend's underwear in the... Oh, jeez. Uh, we don't need to go into that, do we? In the wash. Tell me later. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners love it. Anyway, uh, a couple of examples going back to what I said before about this winning and losing stuff. When I was growing up, I, I played basketball my whole life, and uh, Donnie Smucko and I, this kid I grew up with, He's the kid that used to shovel the basketball courts in South River when it snowed out. Right. We, we've talked about this before. And we played on the same team from third grade through middle school and high school. We were on the Zuchek Falcons in grade school, and we were on SREA, the South River Education Isn't Association. Isn't that the name of the kid that farts a lot in Little Giants? Oh, Ooh. Zoltek. Never mind. No, no, no. That's Zoltek, not Zuchek. Um, and our coach was the late, great uh, Ed Zuchek, um, uh, he was a great guy, and he was, he was lost way before his time, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we lost. We were in the championship game mostly every season, and it was because of Donnie, because he was ridiculously good at basketball. Uh, but there was one year we lost uh, on Zuchek's, and after the game, 
you would line up, uh, you'd sit down, and the trophies came out, and the second place team got a small trophy. Yep. And the first place team got a gigantic trophy. Like the Bad News Bears. Everybody. Right. But everybody got one. Not just one big one. Everybody received a big trophy. Now, when I lost, did it hurt? Yes. Did it make me even shed a tear when I'm eight, nine years old? Yes, it did. However, Donnie and I would sit there, even at that age, eight, nine, ten, and say, I don't like how this feels. We got to work harder. I want that big trophy. I want that big trophy next year. We're going to take it. And we did. We came back the next year, and we won the damn trophy. Moving on to middle school. Donnie and I, SREA, championship game. I think we were playing the Elks. My, my buddy Brian Sanborn was on the team who listens to this podcast. Uh, coached by Mrs. Rankins. And we, and I think Lou, Lou Rafano was one of our coaches, and Mr. Erico. His first name escapes me. But anyway, halftime, we're down by 14 points. 14. And this team was Which good. is a lot in youth yes, basketball. <laughs> this team was good. They were fast. They were big. Um, their point guard was ridiculous. They had, uh, their center was great. Um, Donnie and I, by ourselves at halftime, it was at the middle school. I could still remember it vividly. We walked out by the water fountain. It was just the rest of the team was inside. We went to get a drink. And instead of going back in really quick, we sat down together up against the wall. And I was like, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to come back and win. Now, we went out there and we won the damn game. But if we had not been instilled with that attitude of we got to work harder and we got to win, and everybody was given the same trophy back in the day. Do you think Donnie and I would have sat there at the water fountain and said, we're going to come back and we're going to win this game? No, because you were not No, scared. because we're going to get the same freaking trophy that the other team is going to get. Yeah. That's my point. And, and it's not just about youth sports. And I, I know we don't want to go down the same road again, Lou. We don't want to do it because we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum, like I said. But, you know, John sent us to this, sent us this thing. And it just really pissed me off, for, for lack of a better way of putting it. It's not just youth sports. It's, it's life. It's life. It's everything. Here's the, here's the weird thing about it. I'm going to tell a similar story that a friend of mine has that may be the crowning achievement of his baseball career. Okay? Um, the point is that at some juncture, and it's already starting to happen, but at some juncture the transformation will be complete. When it comes to youth sports like that, Nobody's going to have any incentive to get better because there's no winners, there's no losers. So the winners won't – there won't be winners that will work harder to, to stay to winners. To stay winners. And there won't be losers that will work harder to become no. winners. And eventually the, the talent and the ability and the level of play when you go higher up the line is going to get worse and worse. Because, because there's no it, way to weed out those that aren't This strong. way of thinking – makes it okay to be a loser. And that's not good. That's dangerous. The other thing about that is when it comes once you become this big muddling pile of of equal whatever, it's not talent because there's going to be some kids that are better than others at everything. The problem is the whole movement of everybody's special and everybody's this, at some point no you're not. It's just one big homogenous blob of of thing because nobody's special because nobody's Nobody's the MVP. Nobody's the high goal scorer. Nobody's right. the, nobody's the smart kid or the talented kid or the one who's really good at basketball. They're all just the same. And John said, um, he also said, sadly, the mindset is now losing will turn them off. Good. And, and and I said in response to him, let me just find it because uh, while while you find that, let, yeah. let me tell you this story. So a, a childhood friend of mine. Named, here, well, here, growing okay. up when you came in second or third and you got that smaller trophy, it motivated you to work harder to get the big one. I already said that. I also said it's a very dangerous mindset that losing will turn them off. Losing 
teaches you a lot about right. yourself. Do you think in this business, and I'm sorry I cut you off, but just no, one quick point, but do you think in this business I've had everything handed to me? Everything that I have in this business, my father didn't work in TV. My father doesn't have a corporate job anywhere in the industry. Me either. To blaze a trail for me to come in. Everything I have, and I'm not trying to be that guy who walked uphill in 20 feet of snow and killed a bear with his three-ring notebook. I'm not that guy. But everything I've gotten in this freaking business, caught myself, has been through my hard work. My hard work. No one has given me anything. But you wouldn't necessarily have that. And there are people who have leapfrogged me in certain positions and because of growing up like that, in that mindset that I just talked about, that doesn't make me shut off and quit. That makes me work harder because I'm a competitor. Right. That makes me work harder. That makes me want to do more because I see other people doing more things around me and getting more opportunities. I want that too. I'm not going to just shut down and say, well, I'm probably never going to do that. No. Why do you think we're doing this podcast twice a week? It's because I want my voice heard. Right. I don't care how many people listen to this. We do, but but you get what I mean. Right. I just want to have my voice heard. I want to do something that you and I could sit back and be proud of. I want my career to go to the next level. I'm not complacent. Losing and making it okay to lose and not having winners and losers – it, it drives complacency, and I don't want to live in a world right. that where everybody's walking around like a complacent zombie that doesn't care if they won or lost. Like I said, it becomes one giant homogenous blob of thing, and there's no – just it's amorphous, and it's, it's worthless. If we had my wife on the podcast, she would tell you that I'm competitive when it comes – no. Call her off. She's, she's, Let's make it no. a Mrs. Podcast. <laughs> but, like, I'm competitive to the point that, like, losing at video games or, like – we went curling for my birthday one year. We did a learn to curl thing because I always enjoy watching curling and all that. And when we split up into teams to try curling, she's like, we can't be on the same team because if we lose, I can't handle it. Like that's how – like just fun stuff like that. And yeah, there are things like I'm really good at darts and I won the scoring title in my division last year because I wanted to because I wanted to be the best. Not because I was just happy that I was there playing and having a good time. Even though it was a recreational darts league – I wanted to be the best. That's that's how I was brought up the same way. Work hard to be the best. Right. So the story I was going to tell is my, my friend Chris, growing up, he's, he's a hockey player. He's a good hockey player. He's now a hockey referee. He now is uh, higher up for, like, the officials association that referees youth and, and high school hockey in the state of Connecticut. Not a very good baseball player when he was a kid, and we were cruel to him. He was kind of the weird outcast kid. Right you know. field. Yeah, he played right field. <laughs> and we weren't, we weren't exactly the nicest kid to him, you know? <laughs> Just it's how kids were. I don't know if they still are, but it's how kids were. So we were in the playoffs. We were an expansion team when I was in Little League. We were, I was on the Yankees, oddly enough. We were an expansion team when I was in Little League. So I made the majors when I was 10. I was one of the younger kids on the team because we were an expansion team. And the first year, we got our brains beat in every game. We were like three and fifteen. We were awful. The second game, second year, we did a little better, but not. You know, it was what it was. The third year, my last year that I played, they were revamping one of the two parks in town, so there was only one field to play. So they split the league into divisions, and you didn't really play everybody as much and whatever. And so we got into the playoffs because we were the we were the best of the B league, for lack of a better way to put it. We were probably the sixth or seventh best team out of ten. But because the five best were in one division and the other five were in the other, we, we got into the playoffs. And the, oddly enough, our biggest rivals, the team that beat our brains in all the time, were the Mets. <laughs> Go figure. The Mets. Were, they were good. The Mets were good. The, the Mets, the Cubs, and the Orioles were the three best teams in the league for most of my childhood, let alone the time I played. Mm-hmm. And the Red Sox were one of the worst, which made me feel better, too. But uh, – so we get to the playoffs, and, you know, Little League has playoffs. the mandatory Sorry. play rule, and it is what it is. And we're in the semifinals, and it was matched up one versus two, A, B, you know, like mm-hmm. opposite mm-hmm. cross X. So we're in the semifinals, and the Mets had won the – the Mets had won uh, – finished second in their division, and we had won ours. 
and we're playing them, and we're the home team, and like it's down, it's the top of the seventh, you know, one run game, runner on third, like the perfect Hollywood script, runner on third, one run game, bottom of the seventh or top of the seventh, and it's starting to like starting to rain a little bit, and Chris is out there playing right field because he was the end game right fielder that day, and this kid hits a sky high pop up to right field into the corner like. Almost hit a home run. Don't hit it to Stonehenge. Yeah. Almost hit a home run. And Chris is out there, and he takes a circuitous route to the ball because whatever. And he just finally camps under. He goes, I got it. Puts his glove up in the air like Scotty Smalls, and the ball hits him right in the center of the mitt. Squeezes it. We win. We wow. beat the Mets. The first time we'd beaten the Mets in seven or eight tries in three years, we'd been a team. We advanced to the championship game. Everybody's great. And how did that feel? Amazing. Exactly. The Orioles – like 20 run us in the finals, but Whatever. that's neither here nor there. But the point was that moment in time was like, oh, my God, we did it. We you, After getting our brains beat in by this team all the time. You had that euphoria. Yeah. You, you had that feeling like we can do it. And that is that attitude you need in everyday it's, life. It's the same feeling I've carried with me through everything I've done. I, I only played one year of high school sports, not even. Mm-hmm. Um thanks to injury, but last year even, two years ago, my, my softball team... Oh, wait, played, what was your injury in high school? What, what happened? Oh, I hurt my, my shoulder. Playing football? Yeah. Well, I don't want to go into how I hurt my shoulder. You don't have yeah, to. You don't have to. Stupid childhood injury. But Off it, the air. It was, I broke my wrist flying a kite. Can you top yeah, that? No. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's better. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, Chris Lepore has never forgiven me for the second half of that Little League season when we were winning. But yeah. go ahead. So anyway, um, point being is two, one of my two softball teams is really good, but we lose in the playoffs in the first round every year. Mm-hmm. Like it's just – it's we're, we're like Tracy McGrady okay. <laughs> when it comes to, to the playoffs. Fair enough. Uh, my other team is – again, we're like the sixth or seventh best team in a seven-team league. But each of the last two years, the league I play in has decided that they're going to drop the – the two lowest teams in the A division to mm-hmm. the B division for the playoffs and right. move up the two B and like as, the Premier League. As you would likely expect, but it's for the playoffs. As you would likely expect, the two teams that move up have been knocked out in two straight games because it's a double elimination tournament. Gotcha. Knocked out in two straight games both years. We've won two years in a row. We've won the B League. I, I can't tell you how great of a feeling it was after three years ago we went 0 and 12. Mm-hmm. We beat it, we were in a five-team league. It was, the ATA league was five teams. We went 0-12. We lost every single game. You guys keep score? Yeah. How progressive of you. I know. We lost every single game. We finally won a game in the playoffs. In the play, We beat the fourth-place uh, team in the play-in game for the playoff tournament, uh-huh. and then we lost two straight. But we won. We got that one. You got the one. So we went 1-14. Dr. Leo Marvin's the next baby year, steps, The next baby. year we went like 4-12 and 12 again, uh-huh. and when we won the championship, it was like amazing. Like it was great. Right. Like, we hated showing up to the field because we just we you got tired of losing after Hard a while and work. you hated it. Hard work. But we ended up winning. And then we had the same feeling last year. But the rallying cry at the end of the year was, you know what, we may suck right now, but we won the playoffs last year, so uh, hell with it. We'll just do it again. And we did. And let me tell you what, walking up to accept that trophy from the league director felt really damn good. <laughs> I missed the finals two years ago because I was on vacation. But like it felt really good after three years of Did they boo him like Gary Bettman or no. Oh, okay. Well, he we like we like Bill. You like Bill? But okay. I would say our regular season record in the last three years is probably somewhere in the range of like ten wins and thirty-ish losses, depending mm-hmm. on how many games we've played. Yet we're two-time defending city champions. There you go. Look at that. Because we we turned it on when it counted. So we have given solid examples to how this helps you later in life. Right. And I just don't see this. Uh, for lack of a better word, lackadaisical attitude and just nonchalant, eh, you don't have to keep score, eh, there's no winners and no losers. Yeah, see how that works out for you when you lose your job or you don't get a position. You know, it's it's funny you mention that because before we go, because we're actually almost reached the magic hour, that's twice this week, we've done almost an hour. Well, thanks to my thanks, right. significant other. Um, I, I forget the, I forget the outlet time. that wrote it. Um, I forget where it was, and that's a perfect example of, of the story I'm about to tell. I forget the outlet itself, but... It was basically about CBS Sports mm-hmm. and how their internet 
Holdings, their, their website and the, their model of business, has gone from, you know, they had Scott Miller and Danny Nobler and John Heyman mm-hmm. and, and Greg Doyle and all these great columnists and names. And, I mean, how much baseball news happens that's broken by John Heyman? It's probably uh, pretty much 50 to 60 percent yeah. of the news of news is broken Between by him either. and Joel Sherman and Kenny. Between Kenny him, Rosenthal. Joel Sherman and Kenny Rosenthal and maybe Buster. Yeah, it's, Buster. I mean, that's, that's the, those are the four horsemen of story breaking. I mean, bus that, a bus. that's it. Mm-hmm. How now they're brown cow, right? Their their kind of model has gone more from that kind of stuff to we'll just hire a bunch of bloggers and we'll just aggregate content and it doesn't matter who wrote it we'll just Ugh. repurpose it. I saw as that long as, tweet. As long as people, as long as people look at our stuff, it doesn't matter where we get it or who does it. And that's kind of the trend. That's why I always say, and you saw in my tweet, I always want to be right and I always want to be in depth. Right. And I'm not going to share the secret that he he shared with me, but. Jack Curry actually gave me a piece of advice a couple years ago when I wrote a story about Scott Sizemore Mm -hmm. when he was in Yankees camp Mm -hmm. and, you know, coming back and then he made it to the major league roster and all that. And I wrote a story about it and he's like, you know, it was a great story, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but one thing you want to do is also look for alternate avenues with those stories. And I'm not going to go into again because I don't want to share my secret, but I'll tell you off the air. But it, it resonated with me. You know, that's a really good idea. And it's something I've tried to carry with me throughout. It's. Trying to be a journalist. You're an excellent writer. Whereas and, now it's just, you know, all you're right. You're an excellent journalist. Thank you. You're welcome. But th- that's that's kind of, it was a troubling that a major outlet like that, that's kind of the way they've gone. And it it's maybe a, you're it's actually, maybe, maybe, an, maybe an outlet for that, that homogenous, just it's there. So who the, cares where you get the, it? The old school theory. guys like Jack, um, and, and you're in, under this umbrella too, guys who've done it. And have that integrity and the ethics. I think those two words are the the biggest that you don't really see anymore. Um, that's something that I learned, um, which was beaten into my head mm-hmm. in my broadcast journalism class. Yeah. Uh, integrity, ethics, and uh, it's a lot, now it looks a lot like Billy Madison with Eric trying yeah. to give the answer on what is business ethics. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. But so thanks to we must be nets. John, yes, for, for that, John. How many point. shout outs do you want for crying out loud? Seriously, for real, for real. But if you keep bringing this stuff, I'll, we'll I'll keep, keep. Yeah, I'll keep doing it. We we appreciate it. And and listen, I'm kidding around um, because obviously we love the fans that interact with us, uh, and <laughs> they all happen to be net fans because <laughs> they watch me doing the pre and post game. We have Maddie, we have uh, Dougie, yeah. we have uh, John. So. They're right there along for the 12 and 38 ride with you. Oh, and by the way, before we go with this, um, you know, the winners and the losers thing, my, my cousin John had, uh, had something to say that I thought was pretty spot on, and I, I gave him credit for it. And he said, I think it comes down to parenting, shape your kids the way you see fit, and this stuff wouldn't make it into our homes. And I think he's right. And people like me who grew up the way I grew up, have to put an end to this. Your kid has to win everything, and they have to feel hunky dory with everything in life. And you have to start teaching. That's why when I play sports with my oldest, my youngest isn't there yet. She's only what two or three? Three. Yeah. But when I play with my oldest, who's seven, you know, if she wants to shoot hoops, you know, I don't block every one of her shots. I mean, but sometimes I do, and she, you know, gives me the frowny face. I was like, hey, that's what you, you have to know. Yeah. And I beat her. I beat her at Connect Four, you know, even if it's a board game. I do whatever I can to make sure, am I going to sit here and lie? And, and I say sometimes I, I give her one because I don't want her to lose all the time. I want her to have that feeling of euphoria too. So if we're playing Connect Four and I've won 10 straight, I throw her a bone and I put one in the wrong place. She's still learning. I lose, 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 lose. But hey, if I keep working, I win. Mm-hmm. That's the lesson you have to tell kids. The other and story, you have to keep score for crying out loud. The other story my wife could tell you is one – a couple years ago we took our nephew to – there's an indoor rate, go-kart track in New Rochelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took him there for his birthday, like, you know, to have some fun. And he rode with her once and, the, you know, I kind of – like, all right, I let him – you know, I let him win one mm-hmm. just because whatever. And then the second one, they, they actually won. We raced. So then the third one, he rode with me. And I'm like, all right, you know, maybe Jess will, you know, 
do the same thing. Nope. Nope. She smoked you guys. Right. And <laughs> and we were both we both got into an argument because she's like, well, I didn't want to lose again, and I was like, well, I didn't. I, he's got to learn how to lose, and I'm like, but I wanted to win too. Like, Good for Mrs. D. So like we were, you know, we had that argument because we were both competitive when it came to something as silly as taking our nephew go karting for his birthday, because that's how we were raised. But as there's a paradigm shift in in family relations and parenting and things like that, it you know things happen and. That's how life is becoming. So it'll keep giving us good material for the podcast. Yeah, we got, yeah, exactly. So keep sending it to me. I really appreciate it. You know, you guys that I follow you, you follow me, direct message me. You do not bother me. You're, I consider you guys and, and, and women part of the show. I appreciate it. Uh, keep it coming because it keeps Lou and I young. Yeah. I enjoy interacting on Twitter too. So. Sort of, kind of. Yeah, same thing. You damn kids, get except, off my Twitter lawn. Except for when I get up off of this chair and I can't stand up straight for like five seconds because oh, my back locks up. Then yeah. I don't feel young. No. But. And my goatee is the black and white cookie of yeah. facial hair. It's fantastic. And oh, one more thing before we go. If you didn't hear Ian Eagle, he literally had me peeing my pants in the studio before halftime last night. I don't know if you watched the game. <laughs> no, I unfortunately did not. I was but out. he said... He said, Chris Sheeran, back in our Yes Network studios, uh, he'll have the halftime report for you. And Donnie, I don't know if you saw Punxsutawney Chris did see his shadow. So there's seven more weeks of facial hair. Nice. <laughs> Got it. I love it. Until the, uh, until the Yankee shave. God bless Ian Eagle. Maybe we could do like a video thing. He's one of the best in the business. I, I That's think, why he works here. I think he is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my honest opinion. He'll be on the, a lot of the pregame coverage on CBS for the Super Bowl. Yes, so you can watch Ian for hours. Deservedly so. Yep. Uh, good for Bird. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. Not Greg, Ian. Uh, for Lou DiPietro, I am Chris Sheeran. We will see you post-Super Bowl. Monday. Monday. For all the Super Bowl breakdown you can handle and other stuff, I'm sure. Too. Yeah, all the controversy, including Mike Carey's box call. And then, you know what, the NBA All-Star break coming next week, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, look, to, we'll look to get our good friend Devin on the show to talk about the Nets' first half on Absolutely. So, big week ahead. So, uh, Doug, Matt, and John, you'll want to tune into that Big one. week. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye.